Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Detoxing. It's something your body is designed to do naturally and all of the time. However, we have never been as inundated with toxins and environmental exposures as we have been in the last 100 plus years. So at this point, is our body able to detox efficiently or does it need a lot of extra support? That's what we'll be talking about in this episode with Spencer Feldman. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And Spencer Feldman came on to the show to basically give us a masterclass on how the body detoxes and some of the common toxins that we are struggling with removing from the system. So we'll be covering different ways to get these toxins out of the body and how to support your body appropriately so that it can detox everything that it needs to detox. Now, we get pretty deep with this topic, so if you have the time, you might want to sit down, get out a pen and paper, and take some notes as we go through this topic. And Spencer is the founder of Remedy Link, where for the last 20 years, he has been formulating and manufacturing detoxification products for doctors and their patients. His company specializes in helping support your body's natural responses to heavy metal toxins. Now, before we dive into this episode, if you haven't found an electrolyte that you like and you want to make sure that you're getting appropriate electrolytes into your system to be able to uh, regulate how your muscles are functioning and how your body stores and uses fluids in the system as well, then check out Element, L-M-N-T, which is the electrolyte that I like to use. Typically, I'm not a big flavor person, but raspberry is my favorite flavor that they have. And it's something that I add into my water first thing every single morning. But they just brought back one of their flavors from last summer, which is probably my second favorite flavor. Might be third because I do like the chocolate mint. Is a grapefruit flavor, which is their summer blend. And it's absolutely delicious and it's only here for a certain time. So if you want to get electrolytes, then head on over to Element. Go to summitforwellness.com slash LMNT and give them a try. All right, let's dive into my conversation with Spencer. Thank you, Spencer, for coming onto the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Of course, and I'm excited to chat with you about the detoxification pathways in the body and what we can do to optimize that. But before we dive into that, let's learn a little bit more about your background and what got you interested in detoxing in the first place. Well, let's see. Uh, When I was in college, uh, I got... Uh, I think there was a, a outbreak, or at least one person got mumps or measles or something, and so they decided to vaccinate everybody prophylactically. And I lined up, you know, um, good citizen, and you know, follow the 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 advice of the experts. And uh, pretty soon thereafter, my hands started shaking so bad that I couldn't drink soup because it would shake out of my out of my spoon. So you know, I went to the local doc, my doctor, and I said, "Hey, what's going on with my hands shaking?" And they're like, "Well, you know, we'll give you a drug." I'm like okay, but why are my hands shaking? I'm like, well, take this drug. I'm like, no, no, I, I, my hands are shaking because I have a deficiency of this drug. Something's up, what is it? And they're like, hey, your time is up. I got, you know, you get five minutes and I got a hundred other clients to see. Well, there goes my career as a surgeon, right? Because my hands are shaking too much. Um, so I started trying to figure out, you know, what was going on and got into natural medicine, started studying German biological medicine, got a microscope. Um, and then I, found that I had an affinity for doing research and formulation. And what became of interest to me was 
the toxins that we were being exposed to. You know, I mean, we have a, a, an amazing technological um, heritage, um, both with uh, chemicals that are being used in industry and pharmaceutical interventions, but, uh, and we have by and large done some amazing things. You know, we can grow uh, enormous amounts of food with um, manipulations of, you know, fertilizers and pesticides that we could not grow before. Side effects, you know, now there's glyphosate in the food. Uh, you know, we can uh, stop uh, lots of um, aggressive infections uh, that would kill people and killed many people uh, with antibiotics and things. Side effect, now we have an enormous amount of chronic disease. So I was trying to understand, you know, what the dark side of our uh, biochemical sophistication was and, you know, what toxins were causing problems and how we might get rid of them. And so what I've been doing for the last 20, 25 years is trying to understand the dark side of our technological capacity in terms of what it's done to our health and how we can remove some of the toxins, you know, what the toxins are causing, how we can remove them, how we can balance the body, and to do it in a way that there's patient compliance. So for instance, if the way to do it is with an IV and you don't have access to a physician who runs IVs or you don't want to learn on your own arm, and I don't recommend you do, I, I've done that, it's a bloody mess, right? I don't know how to, I know how to do IVs on my arm now. It was a mess. Um, you know, how would you do this at home, you know, or with things that are easy to do? And so that's what I've been doing for the last 20, 25 years. Isn't it interesting how uh, this is happening time and time again? There's a problem, we come up with a solution that creates a new problem, and then we have to figure out a new solution, and it's just a never-ending cycle. Yeah, one step back, two steps forward. You know, it's, it's par for the course. <laughs> you know, um, our bodies have an innate ability to do detox, right? Um, we can detoxify things. So we evolved with, like, uh, arsenic in well water, uh, you know, in terms of metals, and like um, snake and spider bites and poisonous mushrooms in terms of chemicals. So we have a native capacity to get rid of metals and chemicals. The issue as I see it is we are exposed both in number and in type or in quantity types or variety far more of these toxins than we were ever evolved to deal with. And some of them are things that they're that our body really just has no experience, no, no database to go back to, right? You know, if we get bit by um, one type of poisonous insect, you know, even though your body may not have seen that one before, it's seen something like it. So there's something in the DNA that says, oh, okay, I know how to deal with this. But there's chemicals now that we're exposed to, what is it, six, seven million at the latest count, that our bodies have no, no way to understand, you know, no, no, no details, no um, playbook on how to deal with. So uh, now, you know, one of the arguments is, well, look, all the toxins you're exposed to, these are all tested uh, to be shown not to cause cancer or birth defects or problems. So why are you worried? And well, okay, you know, because they're at such small amounts. And I said, well, you know, that, that's true. Although some do slip through the cracks because of politi politics and money like aspartamine that should never have made it into the, the food supply. Um, that's another day. But okay, granted, most of these things are very, very low toxins. The issue is they were never tested for two things. One, they were never tested for long-term exposure, right? They're just saying, hey, we tested it on a bounce for, for two months, nothing happened. But what happens for 20 years? You know, what about that thing that's in your toothpaste or shampoo or your food preservative that you're exposed to for 20 years? What does that do? So the long-term aspects have never been studied. Um, 
And then the other thing is the synergistic uh, aspect hasn't been studied. So yes, you may only be getting something that is only one part that is a thousand times lower than a, a toxic dose. But when you get 10,000 things like it, and they all add up together and multiply together because they, they have a synergistic effect, that can get people sick. And that's going to take an AI program to, to sort out because there's so many variables. And so we are the longest running experiment in human history. And we're, we're seeing it play out in our health. So, you know, what do you do? And so what I'd like to talk about is, you know, the different classes of toxins. And I want to share with your audience um, some of the lessons I've learned, the things that work, the things that don't, the things that are actually damaging when we try to do them, because some to detoxes are actually terrible for you. So uh, let's go through the classes of water toxins. I think that's a good place to start, Brian. Perfect. Um, so you have water-soluble toxins. And beyond the damage they cause while they're in their body, you're going to urinate them out, by and large, and then that's the end of it. Now, some of them will shift in the body and will combine, but if they're water-soluble and you pee them out, it's not a detox problem, it's a repair issue. Okay. Uh, and then you get to the fat-soluble toxins, and then there's toxic metals and toxic crystallizations. Those three are the ones I, you know, we really want to address. So let's start with, um, oh, and about the water-soluble to uh, toxins. Um, yes, it means you have to drink water, and most of us don't drink enough water, and that's because tap water is you know, chlorinated and, and has a, uh, the wrong electrical charge, and we're vitamin and mineral soluble, defic uh, deficient and soluble vitamins and minerals and electrolytes, so drinking water makes us feel tired. So, um, you know, if you're not drinking enough water, most people aren't, um, get a good clean source of water, right, that's not chlorinated, add a little bit of lemon and some electrolytes, and you'll find you actually enjoy drinking water. Um, so that's just a little hack for that. Okay, so fat-soluble toxins. Uh, you can't just pee them out because they end up going into the fat of the body, and all of our membranes are fats and the nerves and so forth, and so the cellular membranes. So if you, in order to get the fat-soluble toxins out, you have to make them water-soluble first. And, you know, we have experience with that. It's called soap or detergents. So, you know, as an example, if you have a, a dish soap with a bunch of, uh, you know, grease from a, you know, from some meat you cooked, um, and you dip that in cold water, it's not coming off. Um, to a degree, if you dip it in hot water, because it'll go from fat to oil, and oil is liquid, and it can wash it off. But still, that's not, it's not going to come off. What you really want to do is you want to mix it with something, like soap, that will combine with the fat and allow it to become water-soluble. That's what soap is. It's something that changes a fat-soluble to water-soluble. So detox, in many ways, is finding the appropriate soap for the fat-soluble toxin you've got in you. And I think that's a, a good way to, to understand it. Um, and so let me tell you the story of one of, a, one of the first classic detoxes that we, you know, we know about. Um, and so it's World War I, German Field Hospital. And uh, in those days, it was thought that before you did surgery on, on someone, uh, you gave them a colonic, or an enema, sorry, to, to re reduce the bacterial load in their gut. And it also makes it easier to move the intestines around if you have to get in there and move organs around because there's feces isn't in there. So uh, they would flush the gut out and then they would do their surgery. And, uh, you know, the nurse comes to the doctor and says, doctor, we are out of warm water. We can't do any more uh, enemas to clean out the bowels. And the doctor looks around and goes, yeah, use the coffee pot over there. 
I mean, Germans are like that. They're very practical people. That's why they make some of the best medicine, you know? So she does. And what they noticed is that that soldier uh, healed with less pain and faster than all the other soldiers. And here's the other great thing about German doctors. They're very observant. So that's where coffee enemas came. They said, hey, there's something about the coffee and the enema that speeded healing. And doing it more often, they found out it was great for detox. So let's talk about why that happens. Uh, there's three phases of detox, phase one, phase two, and phase three. Uh, so let's go through them. Phase one is where the enzymes called the cytochrome P450 enzymes add oxygen to a, fats, a fat-soluble toxin to temporarily make it more reactive. That's phase one. Phase two is where conjugators like glutathione or methyl donors or sulfates or glucuronic acid or acetyl groups are attached to that oxygen. That's phase two. And phase three is now it leaves the body either through the gallbladder or out the fe- uh, 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 through the gallbladder, which would be feces, uh, or out the urine. Okay. Now, some people get sick on a, on a coffee enema. First off, a lot of people don't get the results they could and sub up and get sick. So why is that? Um, so phase one temporarily makes the toxin more reactive. It has to do it in order for the conjugate to get on. But if you don't have enough of the conjugate for that particular toxin, you now have this more toxic, more reactive poison in your body and a person gets sicker. And this is, the, this is what explains multiple chemical sensitivities. Five people get in an elevator with someone who's got too much cologne, you know, one, most of them are like, oh, that just smells bad. And one person gets sick as a dog because that person can't, they go to phase one, they, can't, they oxidize or put an oxygen on that cologne toxin that's now in their bloodstream, but they can't get to phase two because they lack the, the conjugates. And so now that more toxic thing is bouncing around, making them really ill. And everyone else is wondering why this person's freaking out because they're fine. It's because they have the conjugates and the other person doesn't. And this is one of the detox traps I, you know, I was referring to is if you get somebody who's phase one, who has no phase two and you just stimulate phase one, boy, they're just going to be sick as a dog because you're going to make them worse. Uh, so, you know, what, well, you know, one of the inventions I did uh, uh, is I came up with a suppository full of co- organic coffee and conjugators. Um, so the, the benefit is one, it's a suppository rather than, you know, 30 minutes laying on your side in a bathtub doing a coffee enema. So it's a lot easier. And two, we give the conjugates at the same time. So we don't crash someone on phase two. So, um, and you know, it's like, this is, this is one of the things that will end up happening to clients, right? They'll, they'll, get, um, they'll get a bad, they'll get a phase one detox from a well-meaning practitioner who doesn't understand phase two. They'll get sicker and the client and the doctor will say, oh, it's a detox reaction, keep going. And so they do more of it and they get sicker and the doctor says, keep going. And they eventually can't go anymore because so they, they're sick. And so they right, stop feeling like they failed somehow. No, they didn't fail. The practitioner didn't understand the full nature of the detox. And that's why we get such excellent results with multiple chemical sensitivity, because it's a phase one and phase two issue. Um, have you ever done a coffee enema? I have, yeah. What was your experience with it? You know, because I, I hear all this great stuff about them. Um, I never really got really energized or anything like I would have expected. I didn't feel bad, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't feel energized and like a lot of stuff flushed out of me which I was right. kind of surprised by. So either you didn't have those toxins in you, which would be great, mm-hmm. right? Or you were a little low on phase, you, you, you were a little low on phase two and you just really never got, you had enough phase two not to get sick from stimulating phase one, but not enough to really get the benefit you could have. Mm-hmm. 
So we make a product called Xenoplex, and that's got the phase two conjugates and the coffee, and you know um, that's a great way to, to, to deal with chemicals. Um, it will also take out metals, but I don't want to waste uh, those things on metals. I'd rather go after metals directly. So uh, let's talk about the toxic metals. That's another class of, of, of toxins. Now, some people call them heavy metals, uh, which means they have a density greater than, or specific gravity greater than water. But uh, it's not really accurate because there are light metals that are toxic, like aluminum, and then there's heavy metals that are good for you, like zinc and iron. So let's call them toxic metals. And what happens is when they get inside the body, the body thinks there are things we need, um, especially if we're deficient in them, uh, so, and then we absorb them. Uh, so like lead looks like uh, calcium, that's why it goes in the bones. Um, cadmium looks like zinc, which is why it's in the brain and the eyes and the prostate. Mercury looks like selenium, so it goes in the thyroid. Aluminum looks like magnesium, it goes in the muscles and the brain and so on. Uh, now toxic metals, one of the things they do is they get stuck, oh, they do a lot of things. You know, could talk an hour just on uh, the troubles of toxic metals cause. But one thing is that they get stuck in our cell membrane transporters, which are these little tunnels and revolving doors that bring nutrition in and bring waste products out of our cells. And when the toxic metals get into the cell membrane, um, it's because they look like the metals that are supposed to go through, but they'll have a slightly different size and charge and they get stuck there. So, you know, imagine it's, um, you know, imagine you're at an airport going through a revolving door uh, or, or, you know, uh, or at, you know, TSA and trying to get through something and then you just get stuck there. Imagine the chaos that causes. You know, another way to say it is um, it causes, toxic metals cause the cells to become malnourished and toxic at the same time because the nutrition can't go in, toxins can't go out. Imagine somebody crazy glues your fridge shut and pours cement in your toilet, right? No food and no way to go to the bathroom. It's not going to be a, a, a great place to live. So we need to find something that can bind to these toxic metals and pull them out of the transporters and make them soluble so we can pee them out again. And one of my favorites for this is EDTA. It's a chelator. It's ethylene diamine tetracetic acid. So amine uh, means protein. And tetra is four. Acetic acid is vinegar. So it's protein with... Uh, Four vinegar groups, right? Lots of acids are chelators, right? When you exercise and you make lactic acid, you're chelating your body. Um, when you drink lemon juice, um, when I mix it in all my drinks, you're chelating the lactic, you know, the citric acid is chelating. Um, but different chelators have different qualities, and EDTA is a really fantastic one. Um, so EDTA chelators are normally given by IV because as a protein, uh, it would destroy. It would be destroyed by the uh, digestive process. So again, we make it as a suppository. Um, not you know. So the reason we make the first product, the Xenoplex, as a suppository is because one, the conjugators, glutathione, for instance, and that would be the main one, won't survive digestion. And two, we're trying to replicate the coffee enema whereby we get into the liver through the portal uh, portal veins. So it's uh, location. For the EDTA, the reason we want to go by suppository is. You know, it's, it's easier than an IV, it's less invasive, um, and otherwise that ingredient won't survive digestion. Now, there are definitely people that sell oral chelators, but if they're only 1% to 2% absorbed, you know, um, okay, it's just not necessarily the best, the best, best bang for the buck. Um, however, if you're dealing with mercury, you can't do EDTA or the other classics, DMPS or DMSA, and I wouldn't even necessarily do um, the Cutler Protocol with alpha-lipoic acid, because that'll drag it across the blood-brain barrier. Um, we don't have time to go into mercury. There's a whole, there's a whole other thing. Um, but if you think you have mercury toxicity, reach out to me on my website and I can walk you through that one. Have you ever done IV chelation? 
Uh, not IV chelation. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, so there was an interesting study in Switzerland where they said, I think, uh, 20 IV sessions, something like that. They reduced cancer and heart attack by 90 and 86%. I don't remember which one went to which over the lifetime, which is huge. I mean, you know, if you think you can reduce uh, cancer and heart attack risk by upwards of 90% over your lifetime, you know, considering those are the top two killers, depending on your age group, that's pretty amazing. Um, but there's another thing that... Um, so the other thing, the, the, the last kind of toxin I wanted to talk about was um, I'm called toxic crystallizations. Uh, it's not something that people normally think, they don't, people don't normally think of toxins as, a, uh, as crystals as a toxin. But if you think of um, the fact that many, many crystals are formed from toxins and they block the detox pathways, thus creating more toxic backlog, you can see that they play a role in detox. <clears throat> so there's something like 22 different substances in the body we know of that can crystallize in the body. And that's just the ones we know of. I'm sure there's many more. But some common ones would be, say, gallstones and kidney stones and uh, soft tissue calcification. So women who get calcifications in the breast and men who get them in the prostate and, you know, in the skin and, uh, you know, all over the body and the arteries. So let's talk about gallstones first. <clears throat> so the liver produces bile to neutralize stomach acids because otherwise we would burn our entire gut up because, you know, the stomach has a mucus layer to protect us against the incredibly acidic stomach acid. Uh, the rest of the body doesn't have that protection, so it has to be neutralized on the way down. So the bile does that. It kills parasites. It stimulates peristalsis. It digests fats. Uh, it feeds our microbiome. Um, and the gallbladder is this little bag. It's, it's a sac that the bile goes into where it's stored and then released and squirted into the intestines as the food comes by. Unfortunately for a lot of people, the bile and the gallbladder turns to sludge and then stones as they age. And if you look at people with um, an ultrasound, you can see all sorts of junk in their gallbladder. Um, so what happens is these, these stones can cause, um, uh, they can get jammed up into the, into the duct, forcing bile to backflush into the pancreas, and now you get alkali burns in the pancreas and the loss of blood sugar control. Um, if the bile doesn't go through, you get constipation, other issues. Sometimes you get people that will alternate between diarrhea and constipation because their bile won't come out, won't come out, won't come out, that it just blasts out because it's just, just the pressure of it, and then it all flushes out at once. So there's, you know, man managing your gallbladder is, you know, it's an important thing. It's sort of like, you know, working the oil filter of your car. You know, you just, I mean, once a year, you want to pay a little attention to it. Um, and so there's an old school uh, protocol to deal with um, gallstones, and it's called the liver gallbladder flush. Have you ever done one of those, Brian? I have, yes. You want to share your experience with that? Um, actually, I felt really good. It was kind of weird because I felt like uh, leading up to it, I felt like I was having some sort of like gallbladder attack, which I've never experienced before. There was a lot of cramping in that region. Wow. Um, and so then I went through the flush, and afterwards I felt fantastic. Um, haven't felt like that in a long time because it's been a while, but uh, that was probably one of the best I've felt in years and years. That was right after I had a massive mold exposure too. Mm. So um, once I recovered from the mold and then I did the flush, just felt like everything was just free flowing in my body. Good for you. Good for you. So um, you want to tell, tell your audience, you know, what the process was for that liver flush, what you took? Um, I don't remember everything. I know I, I did the um, apple cider for like seven days uh, lots of apple cider, and then um, if I remember right, 
it was some kind of fats first thing in the morning, and I believe that was every day. And then on that last day, then um, uh, you drink, what was it, like olive oil with Epsom salts. You got it. Right. And uh, then, a, then a heat pack, right, where the gallbladder is. And then that's when the stuff really started happening. There you go. Right. So typically it's like a half a cup of olive oil. Uh, you're going you're gonna to try to soften the stones a little bit ahead of time with you know, orthophosphoric acid or malic acid or vinegar. And then a half a cup of olive oil and to stimulate the gallbladder. And then Epsom salts to dilate the sphincter vodi, which is the, the sphincter that controls the opening and closing of the gallbladder. And then you release the stones. Now there's, it can be a great experience, but not always. And it, you know, uh, liver gallbladder uh, cramping when you a uh, gallstone attack is, from what I understand, the most painful experience on the planet. Um, so not so, you know, you, it seems like you got pretty close to having one get stuck. So you know, careful with that. Um, yeah, there's so, a lot that came out. That's for sure. Yeah. So there's a couple of issues with it. Number one, it's not the most enjoyable experience, and number mm -hmm. two, it in some cases it's dangerous, right? Um, if the stones aren't completely dissolved, but uh, another one is a lot of what comes out is just coagulated bits of olive oil. And mm -hmm. so you will get stones out, but you'll also get coagulated bits of olive oil out. And someone might think to themselves, oh, I have to keep doing this until the stones are, are out. And they'll just keep doing it over and over and over again. Whereas the stones are already out and those little green things are, are kind of artifact. And what they end up doing is just flushing out all their bile. And as they dump all their bile over and over again, their liver gets really dry. And what that creates is more gallstones. And so people can get addicted to the sacred that they keep doing it. Um, so this is another kind of detox trap. This is where uh, the, you know, the, the detox actually causes the problem it's looking to resolve. Um, another example would be like zeolite or chlorella, chlorella to detox metals. Zeolite's mined out of the earth, and if it wasn't washed in acid by the manufacturer, then it's going to be full of to toxic metals. Then when a person takes it orally, their stomach acid releases those metals, and then they feel terrible, and they do a test, and they see all these metals come out, and the practitioner goes, oh, your terrible feeling is a detox cleanse, and look how much is coming out of you. No, no, that wasn't what was coming out of you. That's what you put in you, and, most, and half of that is probably not coming out of you. It's from what you're putting in, and the fact that you feel terrible is not a good thing. So, you know, um, you have to be mindful that um, a good detox rarely will make you feel bad. You know, it should be you, you shouldn't go through that cramping experience. Uh, you shouldn't feel sick. You should feel good pretty much right off the bat. Some people are so toxic that, yes, you detox them, they're still going to feel a little funky. But by and large, uh, detox reactions are just poorly done detoxes or poorly designed detoxes. So, you know, all right, um, in the same way that we wanted to, we came up with alternatives for the chemical detox, the Xenoplex and the uh, metal detox, a product we call metacardium, we wanted to come up with something for the liver gallbladder. And so we made a product called Glidamins. And what we did is we took all the herbs we could find that would dissolve gall and kidney stones and put them in the suppository. Now, you can take it orally. All those herbs you can take orally. Um, the reason why we make a suppository in this case is location. Um, so right inside the rectum, uh, the blood vessels, and uh, there's a lot of blood vessels there, hence this is what create hemorrhoids. And that represents almost a third of the, the blood supply going to the liver. So you have a direct shot into the liver with a suppository. So when you're trying to clean out the liver, whether it's liver gallbladder flash or a phase one, phase two chemical detox, suppositories are fantastic to go through. And I'll give you a story. There, um, we had, uh, I got cold from a woman who was, you know, I guess she was in her 70s. 
And she called to tell me to thank me because her, her headaches were gone. Uh, um, she took vitamins and the headaches were gone. And I said, oh, that's great, ma'am. I'm happy to hear, hear that. She goes, no, no, really. I'm, I'm, thank you so much. I'm like, well, that sounds like it was a bad headache you had. She goes, for 55 years. This woman had had a headache for 55 years. She must have gotten a gallstone stuck in her at age 15. Uh, and if you know Chinese medicine, you know that the gallbladder can cause problems with the shoulder, like frozen shoulder stuff and, and uh, headaches. <coughs> so, you know, I mean, it would have been great if uh, she had been able to get rid of that at when the problem happened, but at least she gets to spend the last few years of her life pain-free. So, wow. you know, moral of the story is it's never too late, right? Um, another kind of calcification would be kidney stones, right? So as we get older, calcium, which we need, uh, leaves the bones and starts accumulating in the soft tissue. And part of this is, you know, lack of vitamin K and, um, you know, um, lack of exercise and, you know, sun exposure. Uh, you know, calcium does this everywhere. Arteries, breasts, prostate joints, and kidneys, right? Um, so we definitely turn to stone as we age. So uh, the question is, is there a way to dissolve calcium-based crystals? And yes, you can. In the same EDTA we talked about for metals, well, calcium is a metal. And, you know, you don't think of it as a metal because, you, you know, it's not gray and flexible, but it's it, chemically, you know, on the table of elements, it's in the metal table. So, um, yes, you know, you can use a chelator, uh, and if you use the right one, uh, one that doesn't already have calcium on it, uh, you can pull calcium out of the tissue. Most chelators out in the marketplace are using chelator, uh, chelation, chelators that already have um, calcium on them because it's cheaper, uh, and that means they cannot reduce, they can't remove calcium, they can only remove other metals. So if you use them, uh, what we do is we have a magnesium-based chelator. So not only can we work with the toxic metals, but we can also support the body in the proper location of uh, calcium as well. So, uh, you know, now imagine you inherit an old house, right? Uh, and you go look at it, there's a, an inch of dust on the floor. You know, you can go in with a broom, um, but uh, before you start sweeping, you really want to uh, open the door and the window. Because if, uh, what you want to do is you want to sweep it out the door. If you start sweeping up uh, with all the doors and windows closed, yes, you're going to get a lot of dust up, but you're gonna, it's going to be a mess. Uh, and so that's, the, well, that's what phase three is. Phase three is going in and opening the doors and the window so that when you start pulling junk out, it's a clear shot out the body. Um, you know, you see people that have stuff, toxins coming out of their skins and lungs, their, their systems are getting, um, they're getting overrun. They, they, their, their detox pathways, are, um, their phase three has crashed and they're looking for any way out. And so you see people, you know, someone's got terribly bad breath or skin stuff going on or whatever. This is toxins saying, hey, I can't make it out the normal paths. Is there another way out? Can I get out the lungs? Can I get out the skin? Um, so, you know, that would be like another kind of detox trap is, starting a detox while someone's full of gallstones and gall, um, bile sludge and kidney stones. They'll stimulate phase one uh, and phase two, but they'll leave, they don't know about phase three, and then they just get completely overwhelmed with slush and slop just flopping around their bodies. Does that, make, does that all make sense? Yep. Yeah, I'm curious for like uh, teenagers, because you see a lot of skin issues. Um, how much of that is a phase three issue versus hormonal issue? Or is right, it, it, it could be phase one, one phase two, phase three. It could also be issues with the genetics and B12 can cause, you know, B12 issues can cause acne, you know, bad gut for sure, um, a microbiome that's out of whack. And we could talk mm -hmm. about that in another talk. We'll completely cause that. Um, so yeah, um, 
Absolutely. You know, I, I wish I knew about this when I was going through acne as a kid rather than being given um, you know, Accutane, which is a, uh, you know, a black box warning drug. Um, yep. Yeah, it's a real mess. Uh, some people get their lives ruined by that because it causes brain damage and all sorts of other nasty things. Um, so there's another talk. So on the, t on the topic of crystals, um, there is another kind of crystal that uh, actually we're getting a lot of, and those are called oxalates. Are you familiar with those at all? A little bit, yeah. All right, so um, oxalates are uh, things that plants make uh, for um, storing minerals and structural growth and protection. Um, and normally we don't eat food with too many oxalates in them. Well, that's not true. All right, so let me tell you how, how, this, how this happened. So we're in the Great Depression, right, the 1920s, and there's a lot of families that can't afford good food and their kids are starving. And so they say, you know, somebody comes up with a great idea of um, promoting spinach to be eaten by kids because it's an incredibly nourishing plant. And up until then, people weren't really eating it. And so uh, they ran a PR campaign and that was Popeye the Sailor Man. You know, I'm strong to the finish because I eat my spinach, Popeye the Sailor Man. And he saves olive oil as a girlfriend and, and is able to beat up Brutus, this big guy, because of spinach, right? So all these kids are eating sp spinach. Uh, so it, that was like the first health fad, you know, food. But spinach is loaded with oxalates. Well, there's a lot of other foods that are fad foods loaded with oxalates. There's, you know, like chia seeds, soy, which has other problems, almonds, beets. Um, and so when we eat all these oxalates, we end up making oxalate crystals in our body. Uh, and they can be anywhere from giant things that cause kidney stones to sharp little spikes that get inside the joints and cause pain. Um, so, you know, this is a fifth kind of detox trap, which is eating foods you think are healthy because, you know, they're the latest fad, and it turns out, no, they're not healthy. Like, now you can eat spinach. The, um, they've learned how to do that in India. You know, they mix, they cook the spinach with dairy, and the calcium from the dairy bonds to the oxalate, making calcium oxalate, which is not absorbable very well. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, eat, eat fad foods that you're, you know, there, there's a risk associated with it. You know, there's a, a wisdom to crowdsourcing, you know, you know 10,000 years of cooking across the planet. People figured out what works. And when you do a diet that's a fad diet that we have no experience with, you know, maybe it will be the, the next best thing, but odds are it, it's going to be imbalance you in some way. So let's get back to the oxalates. There's an inexpensive way to get rid of those. That's Epsom salt baths. And that's because sulfates will displace the oxalates and magnesium makes the oxalate 200 times more soluble so you can pee it out. So Epsom salt baths are one way to do that. And you know, that's why you, you, people used to go to um, all those spas around the world um, you know, because the, the healing spas of old, uh, they were full of things that were um, you know, full of sulfates and stuff like that to help crystallize them. Um, now there's another way to do this actually. Um, have you ever heard of grounding? Yeah. Okay. Do you do it? Uh, I mean, I'm out in nature all the time and I don't have shoes, so mm -hmm. that helps. Okay. So, um, <laughs> grounding is when you, uh, put your body, your skin in, in contact either directly or through a wire conductively to the earth. So what happens is, um, so the sun is putting out electrons in the, in the solar wind. It hits the planet's atmosphere. It comes down to the earth via lightning. The earth is negatively charged. We put our feet on it and we get a negative charge. And we evolved with, the, uh, with an infinite supply of as many electrons as we wanted. We did not evolve with a continual source of food, which is why we put fat on. So we have the ability to store fat and cal cal calories, 
you don't, unless you're a Tai Chi master, you don't have the ability to store electrons. So what happens when the electrons leave, um, start leaving the body? So uh, I'll explain it to you in the, in, well, I'm going to explain it to you in like terms of like a car battery. So uh, imagine you, 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 a family buys an RV and they use it over the summer. And then in the winter, they say, all right, we're not going to use it. And they store it. They come back that spring, the battery's dead. They try to put the battery on a charger. It won't take a charge. They bring it in to the, to the battery place. And they're like, oh yeah, you're a first time RV owner. Okay, your battery's dead and not recoverable. It's full of crystals. As the voltage dropped, crystals formed, and now it cannot take a charge. You're going to need a new battery. Buy a new battery. Um, so they said, so next, so next time, just disconnect it before you, uh, before, you know, in, in, in the fall. So the next year, they disconnect the battery, and then they plug it back in, and the battery won't char- well, start again. They come back to the dealer. It said, hey, you told us that if we disconnected it, that would be enough. He goes, yeah, but it'll take a charge now. So they recharge the battery. And now they go, but that battery, because it died once, has lost some of its capacity and now won't last as long. And so they talk to their next door neighbor who's had an RV for years and he goes, yeah, what the, what the dealer didn't tell you was disconnect it and put it on a trickle charger. So it never goes down in charge and now your battery will last. Wow. Okay. Grounding is like a trickle charger. It's a very low level of electricity. And if your batteries are good to start with, if you're, if you're always walking around barefoot, that's all you need. But a trickle charger won't save a dead battery, right? So because we walk around on rubber-soled shoes and because we have um, synthetic clothes constantly putting electrons off of us because the air no longer has electrons because it's being used up to get rid of pollution because our water has no electrons because it's been removed by flocculent agents because the food has no electrons because we cook it out of it. We have, you know, unless, and that's why you feel so good walking in the forest or getting by a waterfall or going for a swim, you're getting electrons. So grounding works, but it's not going to, a, a trickle charger, which is what grounding is, won't work in the same way that a trickle charger won't work to recover a dead battery. So grounding works if you've always done grounding. If you haven't, you've got to recharge the battery. Okay, so what do we do? Human bodies are full of all these crystals now that not only cause pain and crystallizations, they also decrease, uh, and they also make us more susceptible to 5G because now every crystal in the body is a little radio receiver and now you're absorbing all the 5G from everywhere. So uh, what do we do to get rid of these crystals? Okay, grounding's not enough because the, batter- the batteries are already discharged. That's a ch- so the ch- all right. And charging it won't work because the batteries are, are they're dead, right? But we can't just buy another battery. You have 30, you know, uh, 30 trillion, uh, 3 trillion cells in the body, something like that. Uh, and if the batteries are dead, you can't just replace them all. So we, we have to re- repair the batteries. It turns out there's a way to do it. You need to, use a, uh, you need to pulse high voltage through the batteries. And if you have a really expensive military battery, you know, that's what the military does. They'll pulse their batteries to, to recover them. It's just your local RV dealer won't do that because they don't know about it or don't have the equipment. Um, so if you are full of crystals, what you need to do is first pulse the, you need to pulse high voltage, low amperage, negative electricity through the body. That will cause the crystals to resonate. So what happens with crystals is if you squeeze them, they give off an electrical signal. And if you put an electrical signal into them, they vibrate. That's how quartz watches work. That's how those little click lighters work. So if you run an electrical signal into the, into the crystals, you'll vibrate them and you vibrate them, but they shatter. And if you can get them below six or seven nanometers, then what happens is you can pee them out. That's the magic point at which um, uh, crystals can be peed out. So um, we have a machine that will pulse negative voltage into the body, 
Um, hopefully, you know, I can't say that I can't make medical claims, but the, you know, we know that crystals can be dissolved, can be broken down. Um, and then you can put it on another setting, which is like your trickle charger, just to, uh, or sorry, your, your, so basically it has three settings, right? One is the pulse setting to blow up the crystals. Uh, the second is the recharge to recharge the, the cells. And then the third is trickle and charging. And it took me two years to get to the point where I was on trickle. That's how long it took me to get all the crystals out and then to charge of the body to get to the point where I could take a charge, right? If you have a battery full of crystals, it won't even take a charge. Um, first two weeks I noticed, you know, my, my peripheral neuropathy was gone and, and within a couple, you know, within a week or two, that was nice. Um, my feet got warm for the first time in my life. I didn't have to go to sleep with wool socks on. Um, another thing about electricity is, um, parasites really don't like electricity very much. I think it's because it's how they determine whether they're in a compost pile, a corpse or a living being. Mo most bugs don't want to be in living beings. They, they want to be in compost piles, but because people have such low voltage, the, the bugs uh, think that they're dead because that's how they determine life from death is dead tissue and compost piles have no electricity in them and living tissue does. So when you lower the voltage, you tell all these bugs, you know, have at it. And when you raise the voltage, they just decide to leave. So I have a deal with all the, the nasty bugs in my body. Um, you can have me when I'm dead, you know, until then leave me alone. And, but the corollary of that is I can't appear dead to them. So I raise up the charge. I don't see you know, I now look like a fully functioning living human being. They either become dormant or go to sleep. And um, I'll give you an example, a couple of examples. <clears throat> We've had a couple of people who will get, I've had buckets of, buckets, cups of worms come out of them alive. And, you know, you really want them. You want them coming out alive. Because if you kill a parasite, um, then now the body's got to digest this thing in your liver. Uh, and it's going to spill out and um, all the toxins that were inside the parasite. And if you use some kind of herb to try to kill the parasite and don't manage to kill it, just piss it off, it can dig deeper and farther into the body. So much better to get these things to leave of their own volition. If you don't like looking at it, just don't, don't look in the bathroom for the first two weeks you use it. Uh, we had, and here's an interesting one. We had one uh, man, I guess, in his 20s. Um, he had received a vaccine and then had diarrhea for the next 15, 20 years. Uh, and we gave him, uh, well, his mom put the, the charger over the belly. And within a couple of days, that was it. He's had normal stools now. And I don't understand how that works, other than perhaps um, it's the electricity convinced the bad bacteria in the gut not to be there or to become dormant, and the good bacteria took over. I don't really understand how that happened. That's my work thesis. Um, but so you can definitely detox a body with electricity if you know how to do it. Um, if you see the urine's turning really cloudy after you use something like this, just back off because you're probably dumping more crystals than your kidneys would appreciate. But um, those are pretty much the main ways I like to detox the body. So, uh, sweating is really good. You know, saunas is another great way to do it. And then, you know, um, you could also get into the whole concept of, you know, emotional detox. Like, what do we do with toxic emotions? How do we handle those? So what's this uh, charger? It sounds like it's a lot more than just a grounding mat. Oh yeah, no, it's a it's a small box um, that will pump negative electrons out of the earth and put them into the and, and supply them to the body. Um, so you know it's it's what grounding hopes to be, right? Grounding is, is works in theory for people that have always been grounded, but if you ground somebody who is as is ill, it will give a minor effect. So for some people, a decent effect, but it's nothing compared to 
it's orders of magnitude stronger when you actually actively pump it out of the earth and put it into the body to the point where your hair is starting to stand up, you know? And then you're starting to recharge the albumin and the fluids of the body and the tissues and all of these things. So yeah, it's, it's a device we make. Oh. Interesting. So uh, utilizing all these different um, uh, methods and devices, how often do you have to do them? Like you mentioned that IV chelation, uh, if you do it 20 times and it can reduce chances of cancer, et cetera, is that 20 times in a short amount of short period of time or is it 20 times over a lifetime? It doesn't really seem, it, I don't think it matters that much, although obviously you don't want to do it over 20 years because you know, mm. then you wouldn't have the, the first 10 years, you've only got 10 of them in you. So um, the clearing of the metals and this, and the, uh, so right. For the average person, I would do a metal chemical and liver gallbladder detox once a year. Like when you change the oil of your car, right? Um, you, you know, some people twice a year, you know, uh, if somebody works in an industry where they're exposed to a lot of metals, like they're welding or a lot of chemicals like hairdresser or, you know, uh, dry cleaner or, you know, then they could definitely do more of the chemical detox. Once in a blue moon, I'll get somebody who has to be on them their whole life because it's what, you know, it's what keeps them. I have, I have a few clients who, you know, they tell me that it's without these, they're, they're, they're not going to, they don't think that they're going to survive. Um, and I would love to be able to get them to the point where they don't need them. Um, and vote, and, but they're a, ver, they're a vast, they're, they're an incredible minority, vast majority of people once or two times a year. And, you know, that'll, that'll go, that'll do wonders. The electron charger, I was on it for two hours a day in the beginning, and now I'm on it five minutes every other day. Um, it's just as the crystals leave the body and you're able to hold the charge better, you don't need it so much of it. You know, it's sort of like imagine your cell phone battery. Like, if it's old enough, you, and it's, and it's down to zero, you put it on a full charge and you get five minutes out of it. And then you have to put it on another full charge. And then, right, okay. So that's what the body's like in the beginning. You're going to give it a full charge, but it can't hold it. But if you keep doing it, eventually it's like, okay, I can start holding the char and then you can go longer and longer without it. Hmm. Interesting. So what does your uh, like daily routine with all this stuff look like? Uh, so, um, you know, the things I do daily, um, uh, because um, the water I have is, um, you know, uh, outdoors, because uh, I'm off grid, the water's freezing cold. So um, I make sure I end every shower with freezing cold water. Uh, and because, uh, you know, the epigenetic aspects of, of cryotherapy and the testosterone boost and all that. Um, I do the electron charger, you know, maybe, you know, once a day just for fun. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not at the point now where if I don't do it every day, I don't feel well. I, you know, I'm craving it. Um, I just do it just because, you know, I'll just sit down by the fireplace and put my feet on it. Um, and then I do supplements based on my genetics. So, for instance, for me, you know, the methyl issues, the B12 recyclic issues, I'll do B12 and injections and glutamate scavengers and SAME. And that's a, that's a personal thing. You have to know your genetics and know what things your body, you know, would do well with. And it's different for different people. On a more weekly thing, um, I breathe in hydrogen gas or Brown's gas. Um, I do PEMF. Um, I'll do injections of magnesium once a week if I'm stressed. Sauna, you know, workout, Epsom salt baths, things like that. Yeah, this was a really good rundown of, you know, detoxing and the different pathways in the system. Um, I definitely learned a lot. And now I'm going to go over and look at some of the products that you mentioned, because I'm very curious. Um, 
curious about them and I, I kind of want to give them a try. If is there final things you want to make sure that uh, you tell everybody about before we wrap this all the way up? Um, for detox, you know, have it in a balanced and in a balanced way, right? I mean, to say, oh, I don't need to do any detox. And then, you know, not to age gracefully, to end up with, you know, Parkinson's or, or Alzheimer's or in pain, that's no way to live a life. And to be constantly worried, you know, that's no way to live either. So, you know, treat it just like you treat, if you treat it as well as you treat your car, you know, you don't, you know, it's like, do you have to change your car's oil? No, you don't have to change it every 5,000 miles, but don't expect your car to last as long and run as well. The seals are all going to fail and it's going to be a mess, right? So just treat it as good as your car. Once a year, just, you know, flush out the stones, clean out some metals, clean out some chemicals. If you find that you do a particular kind of detox and it makes you feel really good, okay, maybe you do that one a little more frequently. That's your body saying, hey, I could really, I could use that. Um, you know, the challenge is there are some people that don't know, you know, some people are really sensitive and so they really know when they need to detox and some people aren't. And the people that aren't, just because you don't feel it, that, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. That means you have great genetics. It means you're really strong. It means your check engine light just isn't coming on, right? It doesn't mean you don't need to change the oil. And if the people who don't feel it clear, um, detox themselves, those guys, you know, you know, make it a 90, 100 in excellent health. Is there a season of the year that would be the most beneficial for detoxing? You could say that the, that the time to do that would be early spring when theoretically you've gone through the winter and you're kind of in a quasi-fasting state uh, already and you're already starting to go into catabolism and break things down before all the food becomes available. Um, but realistically, you, it's more important that you do it at a time um, that works for your lifestyle. Um, you know, so I would say, as a general rule, detox on a, on, on, over the weekend. Right. So you don't end up having until you know how you're going to react to it. That way you don't have any issues, you know, at work. Um, and I don't like to detox at night because then you're not getting any exercise. You're not moving. You're not drinking any water. Uh, you can't feel anything. So, you know, fresh time you do a detox like Saturday morning. You have the whole day in front of you to move around, drink water and see how you feel. <laughs> and, and then once you get the hang of it, you know how your body's going to react. Then just, you know, sure. Whatever works for you. Yeah. When I did the gallbladder flush years ago, I, I timed it for a Saturday morning. That way, I had Saturday and Sunday to bounce back if things didn't mm -hmm. go the way that I was hoping they would go. So, yeah, yeah definitely plan that ahead of time. Well, Spencer, I, I think this is absolutely fascinating. And people can, can they get more of this type of information at your website, remedylink.com? Yeah, or you know, yeah. is this more people need to chase you over the different podcasts that you do? So uh, the, the website is remedylink.com, and we have a, a huge video library there that talks about all sorts of things. Um, and if you want kind of the more up-to-date stuff I've been doing, then yeah, podcast, podcast would be it, because you know those videos were made, although I love them and I think they're great, You know, they were made a, a few years ago. And, you know, there's things you keep learning. So podcasts are another great way to go. Like this one. Perfect. Well, thank you, Spencer, for coming on to the show. I appreciate it. And for everybody looking more into this, head on over to remedylink.com. And you can see more of those resources and uh, reach out to Spencer. So thank you, Spencer. Thanks for having me, Brian.
I hope we didn't get too much into the science of how your body detoxes and that you were able to retain some of that information. And lucky for you, if you want to go back and listen to this episode again, you totally can because it is available at all times. And like I said, if you can sit down with a pen and paper and write down notes, you'll be able to retain a lot of that information much easier. So if you want to check out some of his products, head on over to RemedyLink.com and see all the different options that they have over there. All right, in the next episode, I have Dr. Michael Platt on the show. Let's go learn who he is and what we'll be talking about. I am here with Dr. Michael Platt. Hey, Dr. Michael, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? <laughs> um, I, I, I think most people don't realize that, that medicine to me, it, it's a passion. And, and getting people well is very rewarding. And unfortunately, doctors don't see it. But um, yeah, but I love medicine. And so I don't know if people know, I don't know if they need to know that about me, but I, I do. <laughs> and what will we be learning about in our interview together? Well, you'll be learning about adrenaline and how it affects the body and uh, how important it is uh, when it comes to a person's health. Um, and, and again, it all comes down to treating the cause of illness. And adrenaline is a big cause of illness, which is interesting. You know, you've, you've heard of functional medicine doctors who treat the cause of problems, but they have no knowledge of adrenaline, um, which is a big thing that they're missing. I, I tried introducing my books to um, functional medicine schools and they had no interest. So, uh, but that, anyway, but <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? Well, I, I, again, I would have to say vegetables, coconut oil, and MCT oil. Um, you cannot go wrong with that. And it, it's so healthy. It, it, probably very healthy in terms of keeping adrenaline down. And so those are my favorites. And what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? I almost want to say stay away from doctors. But um, <laughs> people need to become proactive about their health. They, they can't rely on a medical system that has no interest in their being healthy. And so it's not just a matter of going to your doctor, listening to what he has to say. They, they really, if they have a problem they should actually, you know, investigate the problem and, and see what could be done to treat the cause of the problem rather than take Band-Aids for it. Uh, I, I know it, it's tough. It, it's not easy. Um, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, but, well, my books talk a lot about treating the cause of illness. And uh, in fact, I got in a lot of trouble with the miracle book because Doctors felt the ideas were so dangerous, I shouldn't be practicing medicine. But all the book talked about was treating the cause of illness and, um, and getting people off drugs. And, that, and the you know, medical boards are funded by drug companies, so you know, they took issue with the book. Anyway, uh, but anyway. Yeah, if people don't see the problem with that, then there's a lot of conflicts of interest. And I would say, too, if your physician only spends six minutes with you, they're not going to get a full history about uh, your own health and the things that you're going to need. So find a physician that spends a lot more time. Like, for instance, <laughs> you spend about two hours. Well, I had the luxury of doing that because, you know, I, I, I didn't do insurance. So... Uh... Anyway, so I had a very limited number of people per day. So, 
hormones and hormone regulation is always an interesting topic, and especially since we're talking about adrenaline. I was very fascinated by some of the information that he shared, and he sent over some products for me to test out. So between now and when that episode comes out, I will test them out and let you know at the end of that episode how I feel after using some of those products. So until then, keep climbing to the peak of your health.